On this episode of the Functional Nurse Podcast, we answer the question, does functional medicine have a branding problem? So stay tuned. Hello, nurses, and welcome to this episode of the Functional Nurse Podcast. My name is Bridget Sager, and I'm a family nurse practitioner, and I teach functional medicine for nurses through the Integrative Nurse Coach Academy in partnership with the Institute for Functional Medicine. And today's topic, I feel like I have highlighted uh, this topic a little bit in past episodes, but I think it's really important that we talk about it in more detail and the role nurses can play in addressing functional medicine's branding problem. Because to answer the question, yes, I do think that functional medicine has a branding problem. I want to start by saying that this is completely just my opinion. And, you know, people are welcome to their own. In case somebody's new to this concept, I just want to really briefly explain that the the bottom line of functional medicine is that we are looking for the root cause of someone's health concern. It's acknowledging that our lifestyle exposures, um, the foods that we eat, uh, how much sleep we get, toxins that may be uh, in our foods, in our homes, in the air, um, in our water, in the products that we use, in our trade, how we work, what we're exposed to in our, in our work, um, among other things, that all of that plays a role in our health story and that we have an increasing prevalence of almost every chronic health condition and health outcomes are worse than they were in the past because our modern lifestyle is affecting our risk for health conditions and our outcomes there. Functional medicine being root cause medicine is the take home message there that we're looking for the root cause. And when you address that, you can often reverse a health concern or at the very least reduce uh, the patient's experience of symptoms. And so I, I wanted to lay the foundation there for those of you that are not familiar with the term and because it really applies to what I'm going to be saying about the branding problem. When I first learned about functional medicine, I had a really hard time without signing up for a full program, figuring out what exactly it meant. And so uh, I feel like that little synopsis I just gave you hopefully gives you a, a good idea. I am in a lot of uh, social media groups. I'm trying less and less to even be on them. Um, but in the in the years that I've been in social media groups for functional medicine, which has been quite a long time, um, I have seen the various levels of um, maybe people's idea of what functional medicine is that are maybe in like uh, integrative medicine and functional medicine groups, what they think it is and how they're practicing it. And that is uh, on a wild spectrum, um, anywhere from what a lot of my students might choose to do that take my course. They might practice essentially um, holistic nursing where they're really identifying and addressing the issues that I mentioned a few seconds ago. So we're gonna address lifestyle, address um, nutrition, recognize any potential deficiencies in the diet, but also figure out why they're missing. Is it not in the food or is it because the patient isn't digesting well? Are they in fight or flight mode all the time? And so they aren't in a place to rest and digest their foods. There's a number of reasons that somebody might not have the nutrients that they need. And it isn't just a matter of it not being in the food. Um, So 
in that regard, you know, supplementation might not be the best plan. We might really need to figure out why everything isn't getting digested thoroughly and everything isn't getting absorbed thoroughly um, rather than just pick and choose particular supplements to use. So when I was first learning functional medicine, I remember telling one of my colleagues at the primary care clinic that I worked at what I was learning and they said, oh, that's just a bunch of expensive tests and supplements. And I have encountered many people saying that since then. It is, I don't believe that to be true whatsoever. I do think that some people say they're practicing functional medicine and what they're doing is selling supplements and using expensive testing. Um, and sometimes that's appropriate and sometimes it's not. And when you learn functional medicine in depth in a really um, respected program, you learn that what we're really wanting to do is address the root cause. Sometimes a patient might benefit from supplements and testing, but it shouldn't be our first step. And I have inherited so many clients that come to me with a ton of supplements. They tell me they've already worked with a functional medicine practitioner. They've even had quite a bit of extremely expensive testing done and they are not better. And they're on these supplements that they don't know what they're for. They are a burden on them financially and they maybe were only intended to be taken short term. Maybe they're not something that you should be taking long term and can cause harm, but they're still ordering them maybe through an online dispensary through this provider. And that provider is making a profit off the sale of those uh, supplements. So in that case, maybe it's not in the provider's best interest financially to tell the patient when to stop taking the supplement. Um, similarly, with expensive testing, uh, I have, when I have inherited people with really expensive tests, I look at them a lot of the time, the provider that ordered the test didn't have significant training in functional medicine. And so they got results and didn't even understand the true undercurrent of what was being revealed by the test results. And the patients got no benefit from the results whatsoever. Um, so I think that it is important uh, to acknowledge that we have our uh, issue of maybe overuse of supplements in functional medicine, uh, overuse of expensive testing in functional medicine. And I say in functional medicine, but uh, a lot of people are saying they're practicing functional medicine. They are not practicing root cause medicine. Uh, they are replacing medications with supplements. They are doing expensive testing without using it to actually address root cause. We can use an expensive test, for example, for looking at nutrient levels really extensively. And then we could use that test result to sell a ton of supplements to somebody by showing them proof with the test that they're deficient in a bunch of different nutrients. And then we can sell them supplements. Or we can ask the question, like I mentioned a minute ago, why are they deficient in so many different nutrients? And if we were able to test for even more, do you think those would be low too? I bet money they would be. And so in reality, we need to go further back and really look at why are they not able to digest and absorb this or why is it not in the diet? How can we address that more holistically? So we have the supplement issue, the testing issue, and then the third issue is people say they practice functional medicine that might have taken a weekend course in one topic like hormone health maybe. They may have done very brief training or training that doesn't necessarily align with the principles of functional medicine. Um, 
I have had people ask me how I could possibly be a nurse practitioner and say that I could practice functional medicine without writing prescriptions and specifically for hormones. And I think that's really interesting because if you actually address the root cause of someone's health concern, you shouldn't need to be giving them artificial things like prescription medications unless there's a situation going on like in a really great example is if somebody has had a total hysterectomy they may need hormone replacement therapy that is not functional medicine that is a prescription that somebody is given to replace hormones that are not being produced by the body any longer functional medicine is looking for the root cause of a hormone imbalance so is somebody uh do they have impaired detox pathways are they not eating the nutrients necessary to produce their hormones in the first place um do they have a high stress lifestyle that's impacting that uh that balance do they have insulin resistance or estrogen dominance do they have uh, a toxin they're exposed to regularly such as a product that they're putting on their skin that's being absorbed in and disrupting estrogen's ability to do its job. Um, so I, I could <laughs> rattle off tons of examples of just that one little area of functional medicine, but uh, that the, those people aren't deficient in a prescription for more hormone replacement. They are deficient in the knowledge of what the root cause is for their concern. Another issue related to the training is that uh, we have people saying they're practicing functional medicine and you know that I would love for the term functional nursing to grow. Um, but uh, you know, functional medicine is still, it's not in its infancy anymore, but it's still young enough that I think that we, uh, aligning with that term is great. Um, but we aren't practicing medicine, right? We're not prescribing things. We're not doing a medical model. We're really truly doing a nursing model. We're looking at a patient holistically and we are looking for what is going on in their life that we can educate them on to help improve their health story. And that is exactly what nursing is all about. For me, when that light bulb went off while I was learning functional medicine, I got really excited. It's the reason that I created the course that I teach is because I wanted to speak of functional medicine in the nursing language. And that isn't being done. And I think it's so important because nurses are the largest number of healthcare practitioners and we are the ones that are teachers. We are very trusted. We are the most trusted profession. That's been the case for a really long time. So we have people with no healthcare training that have no licensure in any state or any country. They are uh, doing online training and saying they practice functional medicine. I think that the mainstream healthcare system and others are seeing this and considering functional medicine to be a joke because we have people with no healthcare background saying they're practicing functional medicine. They're charging rates equivalent to physicians that I know that practice functional medicine. And they're using the term medicine, which I think is very risky. Um, I have taken classes with lots of health coaches in particular, and they talk a lot about workarounds so that they can do more that in um, the case of a nurse, we are held to our licensure, so we cannot practice outside of our scope of practice. There is nothing holding a health coach to any standard that a physician or a nurse practitioner or a registered nurse would be held to. So I think that's really important too, because we have uh, groups of people that don't have the training that we have that are kind of speaking the language we're speaking, but not with the the foundation of you know years and years of experience and 
years of college education that leads to our degrees. And um, I think there's a room for coaching, but anytime that we're talking about coaching, you know, it's growing as in, in demand, absolutely. And there are different kinds of coaches. There could be a life coach, um, a fitness coach, but when we're talking about coaching for health, there is no better coach that somebody can partner with than a nurse coach because they have that wealth of knowledge and experience that they can bring to the table. And you may know I did the nurse coaching training through the Integrative Nurse Coach Academy, which is kind of how all of this came to be for me originally. I wanted to point out all those things that I feel like are contributing to the branding problem. And then I really wanted to talk about the role nurses can play in addressing this. Of course, we can't do undo all of it. A few last thoughts on supplements before I switch gears to that. How should we make our profits? Because, you know, there's a there's a place absolutely for supplementation. I have plenty of patients that are taking supplements. Um, a lot of them are things that are proven in our diet to just not be there anymore. There's things that aren't in the soil. They're not going to be in the food. They're not replaced. Um, magnesium is a great example of that. Lots of people are deficient in vitamin D and that can be a real challenge. Um, and then omega-3s is something else that I feel like um, is often deficient and challenging for people to get in their diet. So Things like that, those types of supplements that are really foundational, very low risk when the patient's circumstances are taken into consideration, those kinds of supplements, I think, can be appropriate for people long-term. I do not think that the uh, a large percentage of any functional medicine practitioner's uh, income should be coming from selling supplements to patients. Uh, as nurses, I find that a lot of my students feel that, you know, that's very unethical. I have been in social media groups where very... Uh, uh, Prominent people in functional medicine are talking about how to make more money off of selling supplements to patients um, and the avenues for, for maximizing that profit margin. I feel like as nurses, we have an obligation to focus on, um, I mean, for starters, I do want to say that nurses are not good at selling themselves and recognizing our value. I talk often with my students about the idea of a massage therapist, that a massage therapist, someone will go see them for a $100 an hour massage to feel better that day or maybe, you know, address something for them that might last a brief period of time in their life where they could spend that one hour and pay cash to work with a nurse to actually reverse a health condition or drastically improve symptoms. The amount of education and awareness that can be brought to a patient in an hour's time is um, significant and can have a lasting impact on not just their health, but their family. So for nurses, I feel like that massage uh, example always strikes home because we all, uh, you know, tend to be willing to pay uh, for services, other types of practitioners, but nurses have never been taught that there's monetary value in what we have to offer, what we bring to the table. And so uh, I think that the ways that we can uh, remain respected and practice true functional medicine is to make our profits from our expertise, our time. You know, I was talking with a group of students on a Zoom meeting the other day about great ways to run groups in their local community to see lots of patients at the same time and provide some education. Uh, there are a lot of opportunities for us to provide our knowledge and for that to be the way that we are um, compensated. 
if uh, we're marking up testing, marking up supplements, uh, I think that there's just a real uh, fine line from that being unethical. And especially if we have people on supplements long-term that are not appropriate for them long-term and can be causing harm. With that said, of course, testing is sometimes appropriate. Of course, supplements can be appropriate for many people. Um, a lot of my patients want to do a food first approach and really focus on food and avoid all testing and they get, you know, results. And then some of my patients are like, I want to see what's under the hood. I want lots of testing. And um, that gets them results maybe faster or seeing it on paper is very reinforcing for them that they need to make changes that might be challenging for them. So. I, I think that it all has its place, um, but I don't think that we should be focused on making a large profit from selling supplements, from uh, promoting testing. Uh, on the flip side of that, I don't think that no profit is the right answer with supplements for many people um, because, you know, like, I use full scripts, and you may have heard a recent episode where we were talking uh, about Dr. Lucille mentioned about you can adjust on full script what percentage of discount you give your patients and you can give them a full discount where you make no profit or you can give them like a 10% discount to entice them to use your uh, dispensary. And I think full scripts is great for lots of reasons. It offers a variety. Um, I'm not out for profit for my supplements. And so it gives me the opportunity to give access to all the brands I respect and get them to the patient quickly. And I know what they're using and they didn't just go grab something off a shelf that had the right name on the front, right? I know the quality of the brand. Researching all that takes time. And so I think there is an argument for having a markup on supplements. A lot of my students choose to add some percentage to uh, the supplements that are, for example, on full script, maybe they, they give their patients a 25% discount and they have a small margin of income from it. And I think that that is completely appropriate because all the time I am spending uh, my time, that could be free time, researching brands, learning about new products, uh, comparing the products I currently use with uh, the newest version or maybe an adapted version from a different company that I also respect. Is this still the best choice for my patients? All the research that I put into supplementation takes time. Also, sometimes the one that I always recommend is not available and I have to spend the time to go find another brand to share with my patients until the other one comes back in stock. Um, and then Patients will write me and ask for a liquid version, a powder version, a capsule, a tablet, um, any number of uh, formulations that take time for me to research and recommend for them. And so I think that it shouldn't be that there's no profits from supplements. I think that if you aren't charging for that time in a consultation or in a group package or whatever you're offering your patients, it's reasonable to make a small profit off of supplements. But I do not, like I get really upset when I'm hearing people that are respected in functional medicine talking about how we can make the most money off of selling things to our patients that isn't time and education. And that is just my opinion, but it really bothers me. So uh, that is the reason I made this episode. So what can nurses do to to gain some headway in the branding problem that functional medicine has. I have a couple ideas I want to share with you. I'll probably think of more some other time and do another episode. Um, but I think that one of the most important things to do, I talk to my students about this a lot, is explain what functional medicine is to your peers, your patients, your audience, if you're on social media. Um, 
sometimes this can be challenging. A lot of my students still work in an allopathic setting, like in a hospital or a clinic, and they aren't necessarily comfortable explaining what they're learning to their peers, and they feel like it might impact uh, how they're perceived. And I think this is a, a really legitimate concern. I've experienced this myself. Um, and I think that we can refer to what we're doing as holistic nursing and people people tend to see that as pretty harmless. And um, so that's one way to talk about what you're offering if you don't wanna use the term functional medicine. Um, but anytime that we have the opportunity to actually clarify what functional medicine is for people and distinguish it from what they may have experienced in the past, we can help to address the branding problem. A good example of this is if somebody tells you they've already worked with a functional medicine practitioner, take the time to explain what functional medicine is, what root cause medicine is, what it's like to work with you or a, a practitioner that you're recommending for them. Um, talk about root cause. Explaining functional medicine in a quick elevator type speech can be really challenging. We practice this in my Zoom meetings that I have with my students and we talk about like, how do you, how do you, how are you telling people what you're learning? How are you telling people what you offer them? And uh, I think clarifying what expectations will be with a patient is so important anyway, but just having this conversation with a nurse friend and trying to explain what functional medicine is can be really difficult. Um, so an example that I really like to use that I find works well, if you've listened to the podcast for very long, I'm sorry, because I know you've heard this before, but hypertension is such an easy and quick explanation. I use it all the time when just somebody in town asks me what functional medicine is. Um, I just say, you know, we look for root cause. For example, with high blood pressure, you know, we try to find out why somebody has high blood pressure and we can often undo that. For example, if it's because of sleep apnea, if it's because of something in the diet or stress. And that tends to be a quick example that kind of exemplifies functional medicine. It, it, it acknowledges that we take this holistic approach and that we're kind of digging deep into each patient's story without getting too caught up in uh, the more specific detail. So I think that that Figuring out how to articulate it in a way that you feel comfortable and explaining it to people that you feel are open to hearing about it, making sure that your patients understand what you're offering, um, that can all do a lot to improve uh, functional medicine by spreading the word in a way that's accurate, clarifying. Anytime that we're talking about functional medicine and you are in a place where you can mentally connect the dots enough for a concept that you're talking about, linking it to biochemistry and cellular health, I think is really important. The bottom line of functional medicine is that we are acknowledging biochemistry. We are acknowledging the demands of the cells of the body and the mitochondria in, in the cells. Um, a lot of health conditions are the result of a lack of what is needed for reactions in the body to take place, for cells to be supported in the way that they need to be, for the mitochondria specifically to be supported in the way that it needs to be, um, or it's disrupted by something that's uh, going on that shouldn't be going on, like a toxin that is uh, impairing a function, for example, um, or inflammation in the body from something. When we can uh, actually connect that message home when we explain functional medicine, that it is taking into consideration the biochemistry that we learn in school, and we acknowledge that nutrients are essential, that we have to have a sufficient amount of uh, 
energy that we consume and digest and absorb, all of that has to take place. And um, same things for vitamins and minerals, phytonutrients. So um, that is a kind of a, a, a topic that I think is really important to use to promote functional medicine. Um, anytime that we can share evidence-based information, if you're finding some research that you're really excited about that validates some of the practices that you're using, sharing it with your audience on social media, sharing it with your peers at work or um, outside of work, and sharing evidence with your patients too. Sometimes a study is a great way to educate somebody that is a little bit more uh, into the nuts and bolts of things. So sharing evidence-based information, sharing the research that we're using to validate our practices because uh, functional medicine is absolutely evidence-based. Sometimes we have to use a biochemistry book, <laughs> sadly, to prove that what we're talking about is real, right? Like our body needs magnesium, our body needs a lot of different nutrients for there to, uh, the, the chemical reactions that need to take place in the body demand these. And um, so a biochemistry book is often what we need to, to validate our practices because it isn't that we need to go do research and prove that somebody needs more of a nutrient. Um, if we're going to do that, we have to do what most studies don't do. We have to prove that there's a deficiency in that whole population of people that we're studying first. And I have rarely encountered research that's considered mainstream and used to write evidence-based guidelines for allopathic medicine that included setting a baseline, right? We'll have a study that says, uh, does magnesium work for this particular health condition? And at no point in that study did they prove that the people in the study were deficient in magnesium to start with, uh, and nor did they uh, often acknowledge the formulation of magnesium. When we practice functional medicine, we know that there are lots of different kinds and they impact the body really uh, in various ways. A very basic example is magnesium citrate, fantastic for helping with uh, constipation, not that great for brain health, but there are absolutely studies that prove that various forms of magnesium are effective for brain health, musculoskeletal health, various concerns in the body, including anxiety and depression, lots of brain health studies. When we're looking at research, we have to approach it with that inquiring mind. And that also is a reason why we don't have large scale studies that are gonna prove a lot of things we're doing are effective. There's research proving it, but maybe there's smaller studies. Um, we're taking the biochemistry and applying it to patients. And when we find research that is promoting, for instance, addressing diet, that's another great example. If a food is an issue for that person and they address that, they're gonna feel better but it is gonna be a different food maybe for somebody else. And so research regarding does this food cause a problem or heal a problem can be really tricky because we need to put people into cohorts where they're actually, uh, they have the same root cause of their problem, which is challenging. Uh, the hypertension example, if we say, does screening for and addressing sleep apnea fix hypertension? For some people, it is going to, absolutely. So you are gonna see some good outcomes in a research study looking at that if everybody has sleep apnea and it is the only reason they have hypertension. But if they also have five other things that are contributing to their hypertension and those aren't addressed, they might have some improvement, but maybe not measurable enough 
So anyway, that, going down a rabbit hole there a little bit, but uh, those are some of my thoughts on how we can talk about it and share what we're learning. We want to avoid excessive supplementation. I think this is obvious by now. There are a lot of things that we can do short term. For example, if we have somebody with a gut dysbiosis, there's something going on that we can address with some supplementation for a month or a few months and then support them with probiotics. We can also do that with foods. You can really use foods to as medicine in a lot of ways too. So avoiding excessive supplementation, if somebody is going to be started on something, it should be very clear how long they're gonna be on it, when they're gonna stop, what they should expect from it and what it's for. So all of that should be discussed when they're starting it, whether that's a verbal conversation or you tell them you're gonna give them a printout with all of this in writing so that they can reflect back on it. I think that's really important for them to know what the expectations are. Also, when they start it, how long till it's gonna start working, which is a little side note, but I think important to talk about. Similar with testing, testing can be really beneficial. Some people want it. I think it's really fun and I enjoy testing and looking at the results, connecting dots, but people do not have to have fancy expensive testing to get results in a lot of cases. When we say that our real root cause of most health concerns is from uh, poor digestion and absorption of nutrients, from stress, lack of sleep, um, toxins in our, our products that we use, our cleaning products, our, our self-care products, um, air quality, water. When we look at the root cause of most health concerns, if we just address those things that are low-hanging fruit with people, most people are gonna feel so much better. If they have a food that's causing a reaction in their body and you address that, they're gonna feel so much better. For me, I had three chronic health conditions until I did an elimination diet and addressed my gut. And within three weeks, I needed no medications anymore and I haven't had any health concerns since then. I think for a lot of people, that's what's going on, right? It's that they have something causing a lot of issues in their body and they need somebody to partner with to uncover the cause. Some people are gonna to wanna to do testing to look into that. I, need, I did zero testing and was able to heal myself. So just as a personal example, we don't have to do expensive testing on everybody to get results. And when we do the foundational things, most people are going to improve and often really rapidly. If somebody's had a ton of things going on for a long time, of course, you know, we might get them some progress and over some time, uh, maybe not rapid like what I experienced. But uh, testing isn't always necessary and we should only be using testing when we need to look for something further. We shouldn't be using testing to confirm what we already know. And the uh, episode I did on the test don't guess, you can listen to for more information on that. But uh, cortisol testing for stress is a great example of that. If you already know somebody has a super stressful lifestyle and that stood out to you on their intake, there is no reason for you to spend all the money on that test until you have addressed the stress and they haven't gotten better. Then maybe it's worth looking at to see if maybe there's something going on at a certain time of day where you can fine tune their plan, but we should address the low hanging fruit before we go spending people's really expensive uh, money on really expensive testing. Uh, they might benefit much more from a vacation or higher quality food that they could spend their money on, some self-care, lots of other things other than one more test to reinforce what we already suspect that should be addressed for them no matter what because it's going to improve their health outcomes overall. Give patients a choice here and see uh, 
what they are comfortable with. Explain things to them and say, here's what I suspect. Here's what we're going to do about it. If we did do that cortisol testing, here's what we would or wouldn't do differently based on the results. If you tell them that you're going to have them address stress either way, and then you say, do you want to spend money on this test? And then we're still going to do the same thing. They're probably not going to want the test that badly. If you say, let's try this, and then we'll do the test if it doesn't work, that makes much more sense in my opinion. Other things that we can do to address the branding problem of functional medicine is sharing respected resources like on social media. So if you have a social media account sharing evidence-based information, like I mentioned before, share things like blog posts that you encounter that are evidence-based on topics regarding functional medicine, share this podcast with other nurses. You know, I created this podcast specifically because nobody else is talking about what it's like to be a nurse or a nurse practitioner and practice functional medicine. Nobody else is talking about scope of practice. And even if you go look for other podcasts that have the topic of functional medicine or functional nursing, it is speaking to patients. It isn't speaking to nurses and what it's like to do this work. I think this podcast is unique. And for a lot of people, if they're, if you're having conversations and they're like, I don't get it, or what about this? Or what about that? Um, you can share an episode with them that speaks to that topic at, in length because, you know, I don't have any advertisers. I don't make any money off the, the podcast. It's here to uh, expand on topics that come up with my students all the time. So I want you to share it. I think it's important for us to clarify what functional medicine is and isn't. And this is a great way to do it for a lot of people, especially if they're busy because they can play this while they're taking care of five other things. Um, so sharing this podcast and other respected podcasts that are on the topic of functional medicine. And my last take home thing that I thought of for this episode is to role model. We talk a lot about this in the course I teach, especially when we're learning functional medicine and we see the impact what we're learning might have on people in our lives, whether it be our family members, our friends, our patients, we can want that for them real hard. <laughs> we can we can want it more than they want it for themselves. And that doesn't work. Um, and what I have found to be personally effective and many of my students have is that we need to role model what works in functional medicine. And when people see you get better and you can tell your own story, that it reinforces to them that this is really effective. And when you help one patient overcome a chronic health condition and they look fantastic the next time they see their friends, you better believe that person's going to say, oh my gosh, you look so much better. What have you done? And they're going to share the impact that functional medicine has had on their life. So we can role model that. We can send people back better, right? We, we talk a lot in the course about like, well, what if, what if you're an RN, you recommend labs, and the primary care provider won't order them or they're not into what you're offering patients whatsoever. And I just encourage every nurse to send patients back better because I know before I learned functional medicine and I remember specifically one patient that had this laundry list of problems and she was quite young and she was coming in for her follow-up. I hadn't seen her in a year and we were able to remove everything from her problem list and her medication list that day because she had partnered with somebody practicing functional medicine and had reversed all her chronic health conditions and had no problems anymore. And that really stood out to me as at the time, a pretty allopathic provider because I was like, what did they know that I don't know? So we can role model it 
in ourselves, we can send people back better as evidence that what we do works. And I think that those are great ways for us to validate functional medicine and address this branding problem, right? Because if we send somebody back, for example, to their primary care provider with five new supplements that they can't spell or put in the computer to update their med list, they don't know the interactions of all those things. It stresses them out to even feel comfortable prescribing something new because of all these weird things this patient's taking. The patient can't articulate what they're for. They've been on them for two years and they're not better. This is not functional medicine. And so I think it's really important for us to do the work to promote functional medicine as a healing art that nurses are perfect to practice. And I hope if you uh, are new to the uh, podcast that you have taken that home by now, this is nursing, absolutely practicing holistic nursing. And it is fine if you think functional medicine as a term might not be welcome in your work environment or with your patients, holistic nursing is a great way to describe what we're doing when we practice functional medicine. So I hope this episode was informative for you and has given you some tools to help promote functional medicine in a way that addresses our branding problem that has really had me fired up lately. Um, And until next time, be well. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of the Functional Nurse Podcast. If you want to help spread the word about the powerful role nurses can play as true healers using functional medicine practices, consider sharing an episode with a nurse friend or on social media. And click the subscribe button to stay informed of newly released episodes. You can also visit and share the links below in the show notes for more information on nursing resources and the Functional Medicine for Nurses course offered through the Integrative Nurse Coach Academy in partnership with the Institute for Functional Medicine.